COVID-19 and the bushfires earlier this year show community pharmacies and the staff are on the front line. It clearly shows that, providing care and support for their communities. And it's not just dispensing medicines. We hear many stories of pharmacies going over and above. There's been reports, for example, of pharmacies getting medicines from helicopters during the bushfires and boats coming to the to the closest port of, of the town that's been obviously mucked up with the bushfire. There's been multiple examples of that. So that does actually make it easier for us when we go and talk to planning and policy stakeholders because we use those real life examples. It actually makes it easier for me personally to speak to the highest politicians, whether it's the health minister or the prime minister, when I can say to them something like, you know what, I'm actually taking this phone call in my dispensary. Hi everyone, George Tambassas, National President of the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. And you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Pharmacists and pharmacy staff have answered the call to action and are navigating the COVID-19 landscape with exceptional resolve. Whilst the community pharmacy industry has made considerable efforts to ensure critical services are maintained amidst the outbreak, frontline workers continue to encounter challenges underpinning their professional and their moral duties to the response effort. Today, we speak with George Tambassis, National President of the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, to discuss some of these challenges facing community pharmacies as they continue to play a significant role in the healthcare response to COVID-19. And we also chat about the achievements the industry has made so far and cover some of the initiatives the Guild is taking to support members and community pharmacy during the health crisis. Here's George. George, welcome to the show. Pharmacies are on the ground level of healthcare and are often the first point of access for the general public. And in this sense, they're no strangers to the challenges of patient care. COVID-19, it's changed the game and community pharmacy has had to adapt from day one. What do you see as some of the key challenges facing pharmacy at this time? Well, certainly pharmacy has changed and it's changed really quickly. Although some of the things that we do in our roles that we are uh, that we do in pharmacy is still the same. So obviously the key role of pharmacy is for the supply of medicines and other pharmaceuticals to the Australian public, along with other what we call pharmacy services, such as vaccination. So in terms of the changes though to start with, if I can just summarise those, we have to really, really focus now with COVID-19 on three key areas that sort of take into consideration a lot of things, but one of them is, is our staff, you know, our personnel, including ourselves. Because just like everyone else in Australia and the world, we're also uh, likely to be infected by this virus if we don't protect ourselves and ourselves. So we've got to really focus on that. We've got to focus on the supply of medicines and, uh, and, and various other stock items, including PPEs, personal protection equipment, and various other things that have, have become really important now from pharmacies, like things like hand sanitizers and, and the like. And uh, last but not least, uh, we have to focus on space, so space and social distancing, which is you know unheard of four weeks ago, has now become really important in pharmacy, just like it is everywhere else. So we're a 
obviously a microcosm of everything else that's going on around the world. But in the pharmacy, if we don't focus on those three things, we're in big trouble. And we're obviously focusing on various things in pharmacy, but they're the three key ones under COVID-19 that are really important now to, to make sure we provide the service and the standards that the public obviously expects for us. So anyway, so some of the other additional um, things that we provide during a pandemic is obviously we, we try to reduce the transmission between staff or to other consumers, and I sort of covered that, we've got to keep our, st our staff safe, we've got to keep the pharmacy open. If you don't do all those things, you're not going to be able to keep the pharmacy open. And, and, when, and if and when, it's not maybe, it's if and when the pharmacy may have to close, you have to go through the proper procedures because it is a... Uh, a notifiable disease if any of your uh, members of staff or yourself catch the COVID-19 virus. It's a notifiable disease in the state or territory that you're um, practising in. So the state authorities will let you know how fast you can open it and what you need to do before you open it again, including cleaning or what have you, and notifying absent customers and patients and family members and which staff can stay on and which can't. It's a whole massive list that you've got to go through. Obtaining medicines for a pharmacy has become a completely different thing these days because of all the uh, medicines short supplies that we've been going through since, again, not really since COVID-19 or even before that when the bushfires started in in the eastern states in Victoria and New South Wales and South Australia and Queensland to a certain degree. We had issues with some with, uh, the way that we buy medicines from our suppliers. So we're at these medicine supply chains on a lot of strain. It's even more now with uh, COVID-19. And of course, how we provide medicines to our patients has changed, has changed dramatically because of self-isolation. People are staying home. So even though we had a certain amount of you know, deliveries that we used to do, they're just exploding now. Because in a lot of cases, whether you're elderly or whether you're unfortunate enough to get the, the virus, you're staying at home. So these are all massive issues for us and definitely... Yeah, that's what's happening at the grassroots. The medicine supply chain, if I can probably extrapolate a little bit more about the medicine supply chain, there's obviously been an increased demand for medicines, both not just prescriptions but over-the-counter stuff too, like hand sanitizers. And we've so already seen this in supermarkets where people have been panicking and starting to stockpile. Well, with medicines, we can't have that happen. And one of the um, really early ones were the salbutamol inhalers. So we've put restrictions on those in terms of only one at a time, plus you've got to somehow establish, establish your bona fides with the pharmacist. When you walk into a pharmacy, you've got to make sure you explain to the pharmacist that you're actually using that salbutamol inhaler for the, what, the condition that was actually invented for, rather than just keeping it at home just because you're panicking. And in the past, we could do that. You could keep one at home just in case, but now we can't do that. Pediatric analgesics like Panadol have also been targeted by, again, you know, mums and dads and grandparents that are, that are panicking a little bit. Can't have that because, you know, again, that puts too much pressure on the medicine supply chain. And we put limits on those as well. So we're always aware that pharmacists continue to have local supply issues because wholesalers uh, are the other, you know, part of the supply chain that really are out of our control because when you're talking about the medicines, you've got the supply chain that starts from the manufacturer, whether it's an original manufacturer or a generic manufacturer or an importer, flows through the wholesaler. There's four major national wholesalers for the pharmaceuticals in this country 
and then comes to us. Anything could go wrong in that supply chain, and the wholesalers, unfortunately, are the, the person in the middle that cop all the all the complaints from us, but they can't keep up sometimes. So sometimes, even though it looks like something's out of stock in the pharmacy, it's not actually out of stock in the whole supply chain. It just hasn't had a chance to come from the wholesale to the pharmacy. Yet the manufacturer says there's plenty and plenty in their um, in their warehouses. So we have this thing called the community service obligation that all wholesalers have to abide by. And what that basically means is that they have to get the medicines to each and every pharmacy on a 24-hour time limit, regardless of where our pharmacies are. That puts a lot of pressure on wholesalers that are government-approved or accredited, and that, again, puts a lot more pressure on the manufacturers. And there's a reporting mechanism that we can use because they have their own CSO agency that we can report back to the Department of Health, and if there are particular problems in particular regions, we can sort of stay on top of that. So the Guild and the members all understand that, so then there's a lot of pressure put on the Guild to make sure that we stay on top of that. And we work really closely with the TGA, who's the other regulatory authority, the Therapeutic Goods Administration. So we have got a working party that now meets on a, on a weekly basis every Tuesday morning called the Medicine Shortages Working Group. And we look at all these supply chain issues and make sure everyone in that whole supply chain, plus all the representative groups, have a bit of transparency to know what's going on because um, COVID-19 being a, a global issue has not just put the um, pressure on the medicine supply chain in Australia, it's put pressure on the medicine supply chain globally. So there's a lot of issues that both the government, the guild, the wholesalers and the manufacturers that play in this market have to know what's going on. So it's an interesting time with uh, medicines and the medicine supply chain. So I'll go to prescription changes as a, as the last part of this answer to this question. And basically, um, the big changes in prescriptions that we've seen because of COVID-19, the changes in the way we practice in pharmacies, really relates to what uh, has happened now with telehealth, what we call what we what we describe as telehealth. So a lot of GPs are basically working online. So rather than seeing their patients face to face, they see them online. They um, somehow either give them a prescription via uh, text or email or, or a, um, some other electronic way, or they can either fax it to the pharmacy. Well, that's that's caused a lot of issues in terms of the way we work in our pharmacies, because both under under requirements under the Commonwealth and state law, we basically have to get the copy of the original to us before we can actually dispense it in, in a. Uh, in, in the quantity of the doctors um, prescribing. That is meant to change very soon because obviously that's creating a lot of workflow issues in the pharmacy. So we, we're, we're on the on the cusp of being able to accept a copy of the prescription through these, um, the way that we're accepting prescriptions now. Instead of the hard copy, we can get a, a copy via fax or email or text. But at the moment, this is an interim thing that's causing a lot of angst in pharmacies and we and we realise that at the Guild and I realise that too because I'm practising in pharmacies too now. So we're getting more and more phone calls from doctors that are working from home, even in their GP practices and are not basically not seeing not seeing face-to-face uh, patients anymore. They're basically consulting online. That's caused a huge change in our pharmacies in terms of the way that we uh, dispense prescriptions, basically, and, and all the follow-up you've got to do. 
but I think the the ultimate solution is to get to e prescription. So really hard to get doctors to basically prescribe electronically because at the moment they're not doing that. They're prescribing using the old system, the printing of a prescription, and somehow getting it to us via these other ways by faxing or emailing a copy or taking a photo of it. So as soon as they get basically onto e-prescribing, which is obviously some sort of token or somehow sending the um, prescription by some sort of electronic way to a uh, patient's phone, then it'll become a little bit easier to manage, we hope. There's a lot of change and agility in that change at the moment as lots of different businesses try and cope. And we all have our part to play in the broader response to the COVID-19 outbreak. In events such as these, what do you think are the key roles and responsibilities that community pharmacies take on? So medicine access, I sort of touched on before. So because we're, we're front line and we're an essential part of the um, of the medicine supply chain with the last part before it gets to the patient, we'll, pharmacies will be staying open all the time regardless of what restrictions flow through, whether it's stage one, stage two, stage three. In Victoria, for example, we're up to stage three. Even if we ever get to lockdown, we know pharmacies will stay open. So we've got to continue looking after things like medicine shortages, managing those things, managing our patients' needs, uh, making sure they've got enough to go on with. Sometimes, you know, rationing out medicines, uh, they're available for all our patients rather than just one or two that might might want a little bit more. Uh, Being able to expand what we call emergency supply provisions to allow pharmacists to dispense a standard PBS pack as an emergency supply the smallest manufacturer manufacturer pack for a non-PBS supply. So that that is something that we've already got over the line. So if a patient can't see a doctor in an emergency and we can't contact the doctor, if uh, that particular patient has a history for that medication on our computer, on our um, in our file, or on our um, or on their personal health record, my health record, we can actually dispense that medicine now as a uh, what we call continued dispensing that is covered both by state law and by the Commonwealth in terms of the previous pricing. And in addition to that, the government is looking now to allow pharmacists to substitute medicines in the event of a larger shortage. So, for example, the best couple of examples I can describe is there's a lot of um, what we call statin medicines that are are used to um, to make sure your cholesterol stays down, anti-cholesterol medicines. So if a certain statin is out of stock, we can swap it to an equivalent statin in the same therapeutic class. And another really easy example is um, bronchodilators like salbutamol that I mentioned before. So the Ventolin brand or the Asmol brand of salbutamol, if that unfortunately goes completely out of stock, we need to be able to swap that patient onto another bronchodilator that's available if, if we can't contact the doctor. So that's what we call therapeutic group substitution. So we're pushing pretty hard for that because if medicine shortages get worse and worse, some of these key medicines, they've got equivalents in their therapeutic class. And if we can't get to the doctor, we can't have patients walking into our pharmacies panicking, especially for something as severe as asthma if they can't breathe. We're going to have to give them something else in that therapeutic class. We're not going to reinvent the wheel in this country. It's actually happening in many, many other countries around the world. And they'll will set up you know, really serious protocols where you can't work outside that particular protocol. So if it's salbutamol, for example, that's gone out of stock, we can't get it, and you've got 
a whole handful of patients walking in saying, I just haven't got a bronchodilator, you must go to Brickin or you must go to Tebutalin, you must go to, to another equivalent that's therapeutically equivalent. So we see that on the horizon and, and we're um, advocating seriously with the government as we speak. George, obviously the services that community pharmacy provides to the public, they're essential and they're critical. How important is it to ensure the continued effective provision of these services to the community? And is it important, do you think, to to monitor and, and reassess how community pharmacy services may be improved in times of health crisis such as these, because while they're not fun to go through, so to speak, they certainly do give us an opportunity to look at our processes and our systems and make them better and or prepare for future crises. Yeah, well, the accessibility of community pharmacy to patients at the first point of care. For some patients, community pharmacy is the most consistent service they utilise. So, look, the use of medicines is the most common health intervention to manage health problems, ensuring continuing access, plus the fact that we have pharmacies all over Australia. There's 5,700 pharmacies. So that spread of pharmacies, because of what we call the pharmacy location rule that we've had in place for over 30 years, that in some, in some areas of government, in some areas of regulation, we've often been, they're often being called uncompetitive. But in a crisis like the one that we're in at the moment, the spread of community pharmacies actually should give us a really big green tick. In, in, so to, regardless of where you live in this country, it's a big country with 24 million people. Uh, our analysis that we did only about a year ago, our spatial analysis we did, showed that you won't be more than about a couple kilometre to two kilometres away from your local community pharmacy. That's because we've abided by these so-called vacation rules for so long. We haven't allowed pharmacies to cluster as best we could in really, really high sort of retail areas or high patient populations. In fact, we've, we've, we've made sure that pharmacies are spread out as best as possible so we can continue to be on the front line helping people with all their medicine regardless of where they live. I think that's going to be a really big way of testing to see whether we actually did get the green tick during a really big crisis like this and we are an essential and critical service for the public. I think locational is going to be key. And of course, the training that we give to our staff, you know, that's going to either show us up or not. We've always had a quality care pharmacy program that all pharmacies usually get accredited through, so we make sure our standards stay high that way. Because 99.9% of all pharmacies go through that accreditation every couple of years or so. The training and location laws are very reassuring at times like this for the community and community pharmacy now needs support more than ever to ensure that they can continue to provide exceptional patient support during this continually evolving crisis. George, what are some of the things that the Guild is working on? You touched on some of them earlier, working on or advocating for to assist community pharmacies navigate COVID-19 and the impacts it's having on planning services and operations. Well, we've produced a lot of resources to help pharmacists with this COVID-19 and we decided early on to make sure we actually gave them as much as possible rather than just worrying about let's not just overdo it. So, for example, with the way the Pharmacy Guild of Australia is um, structured, we have state branches plus the National Secretariat. Well, the National Secretariat is pouring heaps and heaps of resources out to everybody. At the same time, the state branches are giving more state 
um, focused information because you know, even even the government that way. So we're lucky in that in, in the way that you know Prime Minister Morrison works that way. He works really really close with all the premiers of the states and territories. We're named at the guild. We work through our national secretary to do the national sort of part of the resources that we can send out to to all our branches. And at the national level, we also have really good connections with what with uh, our world counterparts. So we, we're part of an organisation called the World Pharmacy Council and we get heaps and heaps of resources from really unfortunate countries like Spain where unfortunately COVID-19 has really you know, hit them hard. And places like America, they've got slightly different strategies. Ireland, the UK, New Zealand, which obviously is very close to us. So we're making sure there's as many resources out there as possible because uh, the worst thing you can do is have not enough resources out there and it is a constantly evolving evolving issue, so those resources are always uh, getting updated. Uh, and, and some members need slightly different resources compared to others. And I don't mind people ringing me up, for example, and saying, "Have you got this particular resource, George? Where is it?" Compared to, you know, if they ring me up and say, "Is this available for the guild?" I say, "No, oh, we didn't think that was important. We didn't put that up on our website." I would rather there's more information there than not. And working really closely with government so we can make sure our information is also at the same sort of level as what the government is um, giving, not just uh, pharmacists, but patients out there. So there's a myriad of the case on behalf of the, of, of the members and, and to the profession. So that's the sort of resources that we've got to make sure is on our webpage, and, and yeah, we're going to continue working with our members to make sure everything they need is on there and what's happening and how it affects them. Uh, so that's possibly the best way to cover that because this is such an evolving issue. I mean, you just watch TV for half an hour and all it is is COVID-19 all the time. You just can't get away from it. We've already seen examples this year, a couple in fact, but are you able to elaborate on how events such as these, these crises, reflect the absolute versatility and importance of community pharmacy in the healthcare system. And I'm also interested in how the Guild engages with planning and policy stakeholders on behalf of community pharmacy to really highlight the importance of community pharmacy. Well, COVID-19 and the bushfires earlier this year show community pharmacies and the staff are on the front line. It clearly shows that, providing care and support for their communities. So, and it's not just dispensing medicines. We hear many stories of pharmacists going over and above to ensure needs of their patients. So there's been reports, for example, of pharmacists going, you know, getting medicines from helicopters during the bushfires and boats coming to the to the closest, you know, port of, of the town that's been obviously, you know, mucked up with the bushfire. There's been multiple examples of that. So that does actually make it easier for us when we go and talk to um, planning and policy stakeholders because we use those real-life examples. It actually makes it easier for me personally to speak to the highest, you know, politicians, whether it's the health minister or the prime minister, when I can say to them something like, you know what, I'm actually taking this phone call in my dispensary. I've got people lined up for vaccines. I've got another, another bloke that I can see that's asking me for a mask. And another guy down the road, down, you know, on the other side of the aisle saying I've got no hand sanitizer left. 
it's pretty easy to advocate on, on behalf of your profession if you're in the thick of it. And these crises bring that to the to the fore. I mean, it's as simple as that. COVID-19 has done that, you know, easily. Bushfires definitely pushed us with all the smoke and issues that they were causing in our communities, let alone the, um, the fact that the fires were causing the safety issues and trying, just trying to stay alive in those country towns. Now COVID-19 is a real pandemic and there's a good chance that, you know, some of our staff and our, and our patients will get it. And so you need to make sure you give really accurate information to stop patients and staff getting it or at least be able to give them some, some comfort in terms of how they're going to treat it if they do get it and what they need to do, clear instructions of what they need to do. It's a notifiable disease. You've got to self isolate, you've got to go get a COVID-19 test to make sure it's actually that particular virus. It might be the common cold or just a silly cough, you know. So that's basically made it, you know, I know it's a horrible thing to say, but actually easier to advocate on behalf of community pharmacy because we're frontline on these issues and it's been it's been the case since the bushfires and it's certainly the case during the start of COVID-19 and COVID-19 doesn't seem like it's going to be a sprint going to be more like a marathon than a spring. George, what is the overall message of support that you would give to community pharmacy at this time? Look, we know the difficulties pharmacies, pharmacists, pharmacy systems face, and we hear the reports of customer abuse. While it doesn't make it any easier in handling the abuse, pharmacists and their staff are still highly respected by their community. That's one of the clear messages I want to give everyone that's listened to this. We're still highly respected because we're frontline. So keep that in mind when it's really tough during the day. Keep that in mind when you go home and you might be feeling a little bit bad. Keep that in mind when you wake up in the morning and you've got to go to work. That we are still highly respected in the community. We do a great job. I hear so many great stories out there. We're frontline. There's a lot of other people that are obviously doing it tougher than us as well. There's lots of other healthcare workers. There's a lot of workers that are actually losing their jobs because of this crazy crisis that we're all in. It's not just a health crisis. It's actually quite a huge economic crisis as well. So keep your chins up. Go to work. Try to enjoy it as much as you can. Crack a few jokes here and there. And sometimes read my emails. I find those useful every now and then when I write you an email every now and then. <laughs> very good. George, thanks so much for finding some time in your very busy schedule to share some updates and some key information with us. Thank you so much for having me. Stay safe and don't forget, go and wash your hands now. Community pharmacy is obviously rising to the challenge in response to the COVID-19 crisis as demonstrated by the resilience and commitment shown at the ground level by pharmacists and pharmacy staff. It's clear that the critical services offered by community pharmacy form a vital part of the overall response and efforts must be made to ensure these continue effectively and safely for the benefit of both members and the general public. The Guild is working tirelessly to ensure members have access to reliable and up-to-date information. There are resources available to assist you in preparing your pharmacy to respond to the COVID-19 outbreak. And these include checklists, procedures and signage to assist in the management of patient presentation to the pharmacy, as well as business continuity plans and information to ensure the health and safety of staff in the workplace. The resources provided should be used in conjunction with normal pharmacy operating protocols and members can access information and resources at Guild 
www.org.au forward slash resources forward slash business hyphen operations hyphen COVID hyphen 19 guild.org.au forward slash resources forward slash business hyphen operations forward slash COVID hyphen 19 forward slash COVID hyphen 19 hyphen guide hyphen four hyphen community hyphen pharmacy and then health.gov.au forward slash resources forward slash collections forward slash novel hyphen coronavirus hyphen 2019 hyphen ncov hyphen resources and finally safeworkaustralia.gov.au forward slash doc forward slash coronavirus hyphen covid hyphen 19 hyphen advice hyphen employers the situation is changing rapidly so it's important to stay up to date with the latest official information about the spread of COVID-19 and what steps are being taken. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to the PBCN podcast. But most importantly, take care of yourself, your families, and your staff. Community pharmacy will continue to play a critical role in supporting our community. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.